Thanks for joining us and supporting Vikido Fitness. We ask for your continued support by becoming an It's All About Health and Fitness premium member. Go to www.vikidofitness.com forward slash join. Again, that's www.vikidofitness.com forward slash join and register for a $6 monthly subscription. And remember, keep listening, sharing, and checking us out. The views and opinions expressed are for general informational purposes only. Consult with your physician or medical health care provider for medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Today we talk about seniors and how they are living their best life. They are finding new careers and going back to the things that gave them passion and purpose. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, employment of workers age 65 or older has grown by 117% in a span of 20 years. Joining us is Dr. Thelma Reese, an author and educator. She will be talking about her book, How Seniors Are Saving the World, Retirement Activism to the Rescue. Dr. Thelma Reese is making the case that seniors still got it. They are coming into their power and helping our society in big ways. All this and more on It's All About Health and Fitness. Welcome to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. This program is brought to you by Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum. Now, here's your host, Vicki Doe and D. Banks-Bright. I'm Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe, and with me is the one and only Dr. Virginia D. Banks-Bright. So, how are you, D.? I'm doing as well. I'm doing a lot better now. I had cataract surgery on Friday, but I'm a lot better now. I can see. Better. Can you see? Can you see? <laughs> I can see better. Yes. That's good. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, but I'm not going to worry about my eyes quite yet. I'm I'm surprised you went ahead. You must have listened to our friend, Dr. Erzurum, huh? Well, yeah, and it was getting to the point where I absolutely could not drive at night. Okay, um, okay. The glare, all of that was just so bad at night, and it was incapacitating me, of, you know, about getting around, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, the next thing, my kids are going to put this thing around my neck just as I've fallen and I can't get up. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, mm-mm, mm-mm I nope. can do something. And, you know, I was a little scared, but I just kept talking to people, and everybody kept saying it wasn't that bad. That and the other, because you know, the thought of somebody digging around in your eyes, like, is I know, but I'm, I'm telling you, it has made as some people have said from the time that you know, they don't put you to sleep completely, but from the time that you're aware, because they give you propofol and verset. Okay, uh, the first thing that everybody has said that I'm is that the clock on the wall is clearer, like when you're before your cataract surgery, you can barely see the numbers, and the next thing you know, when you wake up or when you, you know, the wear, stuff wears off, you can see the clock. So I can't wait to get the other one done. So, yeah, I just decided that, um, and so but I text a friend of mine who's an ophthalmologist, mm-hmm. and he goes, imagine that, miracles <laughs> of modern medicine. <laughs> <laughs> he said it would be like you telling me 
when I told you that an antibiotic worked, and I would say, hmm, the miracles of modern medicine. <laughs> <laughs> I said, okay, right, I get it. All right. <laughs> so that's what that's what I've been doing. How about you? Well, I am okay. It's the the. I saw pictures of your little missies on Facebook. Yes, they're doing their due. They're in their their zone, and it's wrapping up the end of the year. So there it is, oh. right? <laughs> there it is. So what about med school? Are they doing a hybrid, or how how are they how are they doing? They're doing hybrid. So when Natalie goes into the lab. You know, of course, they got to be there. You got to go in there. Uh-huh. And then they social distance and it's not too many in the lab at one time. But then, yeah, they do a lot of remote teaching. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So that's how she doing it. Mm-hmm. Today, we talk about seniors and how they are living their best life. And they are coming into their power leading their leading movements and they're returning back to the workforce they're finding new careers and offering their wisdom and grace and in other words seniors still got it now according to the national institute for occupational safety and health population aging is one of the driving forces of the aging of the u.s workforce according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, employment of workers age 65 or older has grown by 117% in a span of 20 years, while employment of individuals 75 years or older has likewise increased by 117%. The percentage of older workers employed or seeking employment is projected to continue to grow. Therefore, Seniors are still contributing to our society each and every day. Now, joining us is Dr. Thelma Reese, an author, aging expert, and educator. She will be discussing her newest book in which she co-authored with healthcare consultant and educator, Dr. B.J. Kidrich. The book is called How Seniors Are Saving the World, Retirement Activism to the Rescue. Now, this book shares some of the inspiring stories of seniors working in our society with vigor and purpose. Dr. Thelma Reese will make the case that seniors are coming into their power and they are helping our society in big ways by offering wisdom, experience, and energy. And we can't wait to hear from her. Right, Dee? Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. Now, make sure, folks, make sure you subscribe to this podcast show. It's all about health and fitness, Vicky Doe Fitness, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and any other place that you listen to your podcast. You will be notified if you subscribe. And when you subscribe, you will be notified when we post our new podcast. And you will be the first to know. We are constantly striving to bring in great guests like we have for you today and to share with you knowledge and information that will inspire you to live a life of health and wellness. So make sure you go and subscribe to this podcast today and ask your family and friends to do the same as well. It will be greatly appreciated. Also, make sure you go to our resources page 
www.vickidofitness.com forward slash resources. There you will find products and services that will be helpful to you as you embrace a life of health and fitness. We have a variety of items on our resource list for you to check out and try. We have Reebok, Warby Parker, Polar. Those are the, the heart rate monitors. iRemedy Healthcare, Spanx, the right stuff. Right stuff is W-R-I-G-H-T. The right stuff is a medical supply place online for caregivers. Go check it out. Art of Tea. You know, I love tea. This is my place where I go and order tea. Very delicious. So we have that and much more on this resources page for you to check out. But let's talk about yogadownload.com. Yoga Download is the premier online destination for downloading, streaming online yoga, meditation, Pilates, bar, and fitness classes. They've been online since 2009. They offer 1,700 plus classes, and they are taught, these classes are taught by professional instructors, including world renowned yoga teachers in the likes of Anna Forrest. So make sure you go to our resources page, www.vickidofitness.com forward slash resources. And remember, when you use any of the affiliate links to buy any of the products and services on our resources page, you are supporting us here at Vickido Fitness. And what do we always say, D? Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. Yes, the girls are doing great, and I'm just glad that I'm here, and I am full of gratitude, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I am full of gratitude because, you know, who would have thought when we were celebrating the opening of 2020 that we would have the pandemic to face, we would have all our school and work and how we do things just change drastically, right? Exactly. I know. So, yes, I'm just, you know, kind of glad that this year is winding down and I'm I'm looking forward to next year. You know, we had to cancel a lot of things. You know, Andrea graduated from Case, you know, in May and she had to do the virtual graduation thing. And we were going to try to do. Remember, we were talking about Spain going to Madrid. Yeah. I know we had to cancel that and stuff. So, yeah, this year has been something. So I'm looking forward to the new year. It's coming very soon. I sure am, too. I sure am, too. I know. So how was your week, Dee? Um, yeah, well, other than the cataract surgery, just, you know, reminding everybody that, um, you know, the, the COVID virus surge is real. You know, it's, it's out there. I was just looking at some statistics for our hospital, and we're relatively smaller city, but we had 103 COVID patients in three hospitals. I know I was on call a uh, week before last, and, uh, you know, on one floor, I had like 12 COVID patients going in and out of those rooms, and those weren't the ones in intensive care. So, yeah, it's, it's real. It's very real. Wow. Yeah. Well, all we can do is just kind of follow what you guys say the infectious disease folks say right we just need to be listening to you and and just putting our mask on washing our hands social distancing and you know going on about our lives what do you say 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I just, you know, miss seeing everybody. I know, right? Yeah, I miss seeing everybody. I always tease a lot of my friends and say, hey, when this pandemic is over, COVID-19, I'm going to come and give you a big hug and just breathe all on you. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> just breathe on people. <laughs> then we know that we are out of the pandemic. I don't know. I was just thinking the other day, even if they say, okay, our numbers are going down, we're out of the pandemic. I don't know. I think I probably still will wear my mask for a while, a little bit. What do you say? I put on Facebook, I said, you know, after COVID, I still might want to be away from some of (laughs) y'all. I still might want to be quarantined or away from some of you all. I'm good. That's it. I'm good. Exactly. (laughs) What is going on this week? Everything, Vicki. Everything. Everything. Yes, we do have a new president-elect as of Saturday, November the 7th, Joe Biden, and a new VP. It took a minute to decide, didn't it? Yeah, it took a it took a long day. I was getting I was getting weary. I was waiting and waiting. Yeah. You know, they say they say patience is a virtue. So it was a lot of patience. Yeah, we sure did. Wait and wait. But yes, we do also have a new VP, Kamala Harris. We do. We do. And she's the first woman elected as VP and the first black woman. So kudos to yeah. her. She's, yeah, black and Asian, South Asian. Her mother was from India, as we all know. So, yeah, she cracked a lot of a glass ceiling. Big time. And, yes, this election made history because it has the most votes ever in the history of voting for a president, for the president-elect Joe Biden, 76 plus million folks and then for the president trump a total of at least 71 million votes and so folks showed up this time for the voting process showed out yep they showed up and showed out exactly we will see the new year what it holds yeah i oh but i still i still you know we're not a partisan show but with all the stuff that's going on and all the back and forth Whoever, I just would feel more comfortable if I saw somebody's hand on a Bible and they say congratulations to the new president of the United States. Until then, so many things can go on. You know what I mean? I know. So many if, ands, and buts. I know. We will just see. That's all we can do. We will just have to see. Yep, we will see. Stay tuned, as they say. Stay tuned, exactly. Yeah, Alex Trebek. Yes, Alex Trebek. He, oh, no. what Jeopardy? He was on. He's been on Jeopardy. He was on Jeopardy for a lot of years. I think they said thirty six or something. Nineteen eighty four. Nineteen eighty four. Yeah. Yeah, thirty six years. Or, yeah, thirty six. That's thirty six. Yeah, nineteen. Because yeah. before him, before him, we all used to watch Jeopardy. I can't think of the name of the guy whose last name was Fleming. He was on it in the 70s. And then Alex Trebek took it over as the modern 
Jeopardy in 1984. So he had a long run, a very long run. Yes, yes. And he died of, um, he was 80, and he died of uh, pancreatic cancer as well. Oh, sad. So, yes, Jeopardy, he was the host for Jeopardy. And, yes, we learned about, he came out, I say, in March 2019 and talked about him being diagnosed with stage 4 pancreatic cancer. Is that when he was, is that when he was diagnosed? Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's what um, happened. And so, yes, he kept on he kept on showing up, though, until the very end. Sure did. Sure did. He certainly did. To the very end. And so Trebek is survived by his wife, Jean, whom he married in 1990, and he has three children. So that's something they're now trying a to. A life well lived. A life well lived. And they're trying to find a new host now. It's going to be interesting who that the host will be for Jeopardy. Yeah. Yes, yes. That should be very interesting. Yeah, that'll be very interesting. Mm-hmm. Since we're talking about pancreatic cancer, November is Pancreatic Cancer Awareness who Month. Yes, who knew, right? But yeah, it is Pancreatic yeah. Cancer Awareness. And the time is now. That's their that's the their motto this year. And this year alone, more than 56,000 Americans will be diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. That is more than 158 people diagnosed every day. About 93% of pancreatic cancers are exocrine tumors, right? The common type of pancreatic cancer is adenocarcinoma. That is 93%. And, and it seems like, I don't know. I mean, the GI tumors in general seem to be going up. Every time you turn around, Ruth Bader Ginsburg had uh, pancreatic cancer. John Lewis, don't forget, had pancreatic cancer. And yes. it seems like those GI tumors are going up. Those, so those are going up. Huh. You know? Yeah, that's interesting. Is it because of the maybe insulin? I, I just don't know. Is it something in our environment or what? But I just named three people, you know, Quebec. John Lewis and Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you know, it just makes you think what's going on in our society. We also know that pancreatic cancer is the ninth most commonly diagnosed cancer in women and the 10th most commonly diagnosed cancer in men. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, and it, it, it's, it's kind of deadly because it kind of takes you out quick, doesn't it? Oh, it does. I mean, the five-year survival is just about nil and to make it a year. He made it a little over a year. Drew Bader Ginsburg made it longer than most people. I think two or three years for her. But wow. no, it's just one of those tumors. Unfortunately, when you find it, mm-hmm. you're already at stage four. Mm. So that's the problem. It's just so silent. And the, the, the diagnosis, as they say, when you wake up in the morning and you look in the mirror and you have painless jaundice. Painless jaundice, eyes yellow without pain. It's pancreatic cancer until proved otherwise, sadly. Wow. So you don't even have a chance to get a hold of it. You know, I'm a big proponent of maybe people should be getting CAT scans early and stuff. But the problem is you find more stuff on a CAT scan than you really probably want to deal with. So, you know, you have to look at the risk-benefit or whatever benefit ratio of it. But, yeah, I mean... If you could get these pancreatic cancers at stage one or stage two, the life expectancy would obviously be a lot better. Can't do it. It's hard. Wow. 
Yeah. Jaundice, like you said, that's a sign. But the signs are so vague, though. You know, changes in stool, nausea, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But if you are experiencing any of these, we will ask you to please, please go and consult with your health care provider just to be sure on that. Well, the, the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network, PCAN mission is to save lives and they attack pancreatic cancer on all fronts, research, clinical initiatives, patient services and advocacy. And their effort is amplified by nationwide network of grassroots support. And so their goals are to drive five-year survival rate, like you were talking about, um, D, from 10% to 20%. Thanks to PanCan's approach to fighting pancreatic cancer, the survival rate reached double digits in 2020. And so now they are working to double it from 10 to 20%, and they're trying to find scientific research, monies for that funding. They're also disrupting the traditional pancreatic cancer um, clinical trial system with their own new approach. And they're trying to do what you say. They're leading in an early detection initiative, you know, and mm-hmm. how that should be done. And so, yeah. You know, you need some kind of early biological test or some kind of marker that your doctor can do that will l- lend itself to say, oh, well, this is a, you know, like prostate cancer, the PSA test, or, mm-hmm. you know, some of the other tests that we take for blood in the stool for colon cancer and all of that, CEAs and all of that. They don't have that for pancreatic cancer, and that's what they need. Yeah. And so they're working on the um, research to try to figure out how, you know, what they can do for early detection. Mm -hmm. I would say for folks, if you want to know more about what's going on with the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network, make sure you go to their website and donate. Go to www.pancan.org. So P-A-N-C-A-N.org. That's kind of, I don't know, pancreatic cancer is just scary to me. It is. It is. Very scary. It you is. know, and a lot of times when people, when the diagnosis is made, people will say, oh, you know, I had a little event and a little stomach pain and this and the other stuff that you wouldn't necessarily run to the doctor for. Mm. And it ends up that this little thing that you now have has gotten worse, and then you get a CAT scan, and there you have it. It's too late for any kind of surgical procedure, and it's almost too late for chemotherapy or some of the newer treatment, you know, things that they have. Just just very sad and very scary. Yeah, very sad. So hopefully, you know, with their research that they will find out how we could do adequate um, early detection, you know. Early detection. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what's the latest, D? We got big news out there. Well, yeah, we do have big news, and 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 um, from everything it looks, it looks like it's good news that we have a vaccine that they say is ninety four percent efficacious in preventing coronavirus, but infection. But we have to be proceed with caution. The study isn't over. They reached critical mass of forty four thousand patients in their clinical trials, but I think we have to wait for the for the study to be unblinded for everybody to know who got what what ethnic groups were involved, what the severity of the disease was of people who were prevented it in, and, you know, what kind of, 
you know, were they elderly with a lot of comorbid illnesses? Were these really healthy people? So I just think this is very good news. Fauci seems to be encouraged, and I'm sure he's had, he has way more information than anybody, any of us. So I just say proceed with caution. Pfizer looks like, as I have said before, is the front runner, but other, other companies are going to be right behind them on their, on their uh, tails. And so Dr. Fauci seems to think by April they'll be vaccinating everybody, not just healthcare workers and so forth. But what I did find out, and, you know, everybody's been going around the hospital. You know how rumors start. I know. And they say, well, you know, they're going to make it mandatory for healthcare workers. Well, I was talking to some people yesterday from some institutions. I won't say where these are, but they've already bought, put in bids to buy up vaccines. So that seems to me like they're going to maybe not make it mandatory, but certainly offer it to their people that are working there. So, you know, you got to stay on the pulse of things. Oh, I know. But it's good news because that's what we need. I mean, you know, we can, we don't want to for everybody just, just all of a sudden everybody get herd immunity because you have to accept a significant number of deaths with that. So this is good news. So I just say let's, let's let Pfizer do their thing, let the FDA do their thing and see where things shake out. All right. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Vicki Haywood-Doe. I just wanted to break in for a quick second and introduce to you the sponsor and creator of this show. It's the company I own, Haywood Doe Consulting Co., doing business as Vicky Doe Fitness. We are a health and wellness consulting company that specializes in designing and implementing medically integrated applied exercise physiology-based fitness wellness programs, initiatives, events, health promotion, and health education for special populations such as older folks, children, adolescents, overweight and obese individuals, cardiac rehab, women's health, and those who have chronic diseases. We have a team and network of healthcare professionals based out of Northeast Ohio, and we've worked with many companies, schools, churches, and organizations. If your goal is to transform your life by taking a holistic approach to living a life of health and total well-being, get in touch with us at info at To find out more about our own site and online programs and services, go to vikidofitness.com. And now back to the show. Well, today we talk about seniors living their best lives and still contributing to this society. They are returning back into the workforce, leading and creating movements and inspiring all of us to continue to do great things in the society, no matter how old you are. And that's right. Seniors still got it. Joining us is Thelma Reese, a co-author of the book, How Seniors Are Saving the World, Retirement Activism to the Rescue. She is here to talk about some of the inspiring stories of seniors in this book who are working and giving back to our society with vigor and purpose. And so let's listen to the interview with Dr. Thelma Reese. Well, here with us today is Dr. Thelma Reese, an author, aging expert, 
retired professor of English and education, the former spokesperson for the well-known children's reading and learning system, Hooked on Phonics, and a longtime activist in national and Philadelphia-based educational and cultural initiatives. Now, Dr. Thelma has authored several books that deal specifically with ageism and seniors, including The New Senior Woman and The New Senior Man. She is also the creator of the blog, ElderChicks.com. Now today, Dr. Thelma will discuss her newest book, which she co-authored with healthcare consultant and educator, B.J. Kittredge, and the book is called How Seniors Are Saving the World, Retirement Activism to the Rescue. In this book, they're sharing inspiring or inspirational stories of seniors working with vigor and purpose. And so the two authors argue that instead of thinking of seniors in their 60s to 90s as being in their twilight years, this is instead the time that many seniors come into their power. Now, Dr. Thelma will make the case for why she and BJ, Dr. BJ, believe that from social activism to returning to careers to fight the COVID-19 pandemic, seniors offer wisdom, experience, and energy. So how are you today, Thelma? I'm just fine. I'm full of energy, experience, wisdom, and years. I'm 87. Wow, that's awesome. (laughs) That is great. Fantastic. (laughs) Fantastic. Can you share with us your story and what compelled you and BJ to write your new book? Well, I had uh, really been resting just a bit after The New Senior Man, my partner in those first two books, New Senior Woman and The New Senior Man, not very long ago, passed away at the end of that second book. Mm. And and I do maintain the blog, elderchick.com, to which both men and women write, predominantly women, of course. And I realized that something was changing for me as I got older, as I continue to age and grow, not just grow older, but even continue to grow up in many ways. And I was realizing how many of the older people that I know are very committed activists and their angle really is not so much uh, I'm keeping busy with volunteer work, but I see there are things to fix in the world and they're used to fixing things. And some of them are putting that attitude and energy into finding and fixing things to make the world better. So people are, as we age gracefully, people, especially our seniors, they are trying to fix the problems. They're not just sitting somewhere in a rocking chair. So that's what you're saying? Right. What happens is not only are they not sitting in rocking chairs, and we are talking about people who are able to not just sitting in rocking chairs. We recognize that there are people my age and older and younger who are unable to do things because of real physical 
or other limitations. But this enormously growing part of the population, more visible than it's ever been because it's larger than it's ever been, is continuing to think and have ideas and have the kind of experience that helps to solve problems, is used to solving problems. After all, you don't get to be 87, let's say, like me, without having changed or having experienced all kinds of challenges in your life. And you've met them. And when you reflect on them and you realize, well, I did get through that. And maybe I got stronger even. Not maybe. Definitely I got stronger as a result. So maybe I can put that to use. And what we also really felt was important was not only to find great exemplars of people who do this, who use their time, energy, and experience to try to solve problems in the world, but to give the reader a way to access helping those people or getting involved in those causes. So the book has 24 people of about, I would say, uh, the ages are from 60 to 95. They are men and women. They come from all walks of life. They come from a limited formal education to PhDs or MDs. They come from every socioeconomic group, and they are a, a racially and ethnically very diverse group. How did you narrow this down? It must have been, you know, you with who you ended up with the book. Was it very difficult to narrow down those people that you were going to use? Well, it's less difficult than you might think. For one thing, uh, one of the groups that I belong to that now personally meets on Zoom is composed of people who are involved in very interesting and important different causes like some are involved in social justice causes, some with climate change, some with prison reform, uh, and are very active people. And we could have filled this book. I live in the center of a big city so that in Philadelphia, so that I think I could have done this just from within a, a radius of maybe 10 blocks of my house. But it was important to us to have a range that also represents the country geographically. So the people are from all over the country. Okay. I think that's more interesting for readers, for one thing. Yes. We do keep marketing in mind, don't we, ladies? Yes. Yeah. Are these, these, (laughs) you've heard heard on television the term super-agers. Have you ever heard that term? No, but I'll... (laughs) They're called (laughs) super-agers. They do all the things that you're talking about. I think the Today Show did a big feature on them last year about all the things that these individuals, you know, are involved with. Right. So yeah, I, you know, and people people can get involved to whatever degree they are able. So that mm-hmm. someone who reads this book about how seniors are saving the world, they feel diverted, interested, uh, and even amused sometimes meeting and learning about someone. But then at the end of the chapter, when she reads a section called How to Connect, mm-hmm. they be inspired to think, I want to explore this further. I'm going to mm. go on that link 
that suggested about Native American affairs or mm-hmm. the United Nations. And I'm going to mm-hmm. find out for what I might be able to do. So tell me now, then, what have you learned about retirement from writing this book? Did it open up your eyes to that, to, to retirement in a new way? <laughs> well, I can tell you, I was already pretty plugged into that notion from my first two books. Mm-hmm. I think especially the one about men, mm-hmm. for whom retirement is sometimes a difficult concept. They weren't brought up to think about how that might mean if they lived to be still ready for 30 more years of vigor mm-hmm. when they were given the gold watch, you know? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think we ought to get rid of the term retirement because people really don't retire anymore. They may change mm-hmm. what they do. They may invest their energy and interest in something else. They may be forced by some kind of rule to leave what they were doing or some circumstance makes them change. You know, the average number of times that people will be changing their, uh, not just their workplace, but even their kind of work they do is now five or six in a lifetime of work. That wasn't true for our grandparents. No, no, finish. I, I'm, I'm I, I was just going to say that maybe instead of retirement or even uh, old age, we ought to use a term like seniority, that we get mm-hmm. to a stage where, yeah, we're seniors, the way we graduated to seniority in high school. Mm. We went to college in college where we were respected for the fact that we had gone further and maybe should be looked up to just a little. Do you think, as a physician, and, and have, having been in practice for uh, over 40 years, I wonder, and I'm, I'm thinking, I think seniors are taking what, whatever that definition is. I think the definition may be over 55 for some and maybe 65 for others, but they're taking care of themselves better. And then I think modern medicine is helping, too, because, you know, Drugs have improved and a lot of cancer treatments have improved so that the quality of life that people have, their living longer life expectancy, I think, has increased. Do you think that has something to do with it? Absolutely. It has a lot to do with it. And I was really impressed. I remember when when we wrote the book about men, one of the first people we interviewed was a 90-year-old man, a retired uh, chemical engineer from India, who's been living here for years, who said something that I've never forgot. And he said that he had learned the difference between pain and suffering. And so I've seen many people since then who might have chronic illness as they age, but they know that that's different from suffering, that they are still able to function well. Their brains are fine. And... Mm -hmm. Actually, the distraction of focusing on something where you're making a contribution to the world Mm -hmm. makes you feel better about yourself. And I think seniors, you know, we we have to give us credit. Well, I guess I'm going into the the senior category. I'm already there. I'm in my my 50s now, so I guess I'm, I'm already there. I'm heading that way. But... You know, sometimes you just can't sit and complain 
You got to get up and and do things and keep with what's happening, especially when it comes to social media. And I see a lot of seniors, um, including myself, we are learning how to do things on Twitter, on Facebook. And I see you have a blog on what? Elderchicks.com. <laughs> yes. yes. The blog even, even preceded that first book because when we started to write the book about women, our daughters said, well, you know, you ought to have a blog. And at that time, we just said, well, what's a blog? <laughs> and they explained and offered to help by getting it on on the uh, Internet for us. Well, I have to tell you, one of the best things just happened on that blog. This month, a young college student, a young man who's a college student, found our blog and wrote and said, how can I best keep in touch with my grandma? What's the best way? And he was thinking about the pandemic, mm-hmm. her isolation, the need for that interaction between the generations. And I was so moved that he did that. And he's gotten responses from people, of course, saying he's wonderful and also giving him help about how to do this and how to stay in touch. And that intergenerational contact, I think, is so vital that uh, as we age, and I'm working right now with the university here, Temple, where someone is putting together a course Mm. for undergraduates, and I'm part of the committee that's designing the course to include seniors, Mm. senior people, not just senior students. Mm -hmm. So there will be junior and senior college students and real seniors in life in this course starting in January, and we will be meeting regularly, and they will be getting credit at Temple University. And I think this is a great, groundbreaking thing to do. Yes, I think so, too. Wonderful. Don't you think that's wonderful? That's great. Mm -hmm. I do. I think we also have to make sure, I was just, you know, we have to kind of impose on society the fact, because they, you know, they, I don't, I don't think society is growing in the concept of seniors being active as we might want to think, and I think we have to constantly remind them of that. For I was thinking of an example, up until a, a few years ago, I was a big runner, and they would award the prizes based on your age group. So they would have, uh-huh. for example, with the men, the men would go all the way up to 80 running. You know, they'd have like 74 yeah. 79, something like that. And then for women, when they gave the awards, it would be like from, let's say, 59 to 64 or something like that. And they didn't have any age group over And Vicky Vicky will know and a lot of other people know. Uh Because I was pretty competitive in running around here. I was the first one to run up Mm -hmm. the judges or, you know, and say, look, you know, this is what happens when you pigeonhole us. I said, I'm over the age of 65, and there are other women out here that are my age group, and next year you need to expand your age limits like you've done for the men. So and, and they had, And they did. And they did. Oh, you know, that's the men, so they took great. all the way up to 80s. Yeah, they took the it's men so all the way to 80s. But with us, they stopped at like 65. 
So oh, we have to we have to be vocal. We have to change the narrative Absolutely. and change the way and that we're looked 80, at. When you're eighty, you're going to run up to those judges and say, "Okay, <laughs> again." <laughs> right. Right. So yeah. We're all about breaking glass ceilings. We just broke yes. the vice president, and we're not going to stop. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. We actually, we actually broke two for vice president. We got two for one. Yeah, we did. That we got two for one. That's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, we did. So tell me then. Wonderful. Okay. And it is interesting that we're going to be installing our oldest president. I know yeah, it is. That interesting, right? Yeah. Speaking yes. of seniors, right? Isn't that and, great? And do we, do we, or do we not rely on Dr. Fauci? We have to actually. I have said people. that many times, many times, because I'm an infectious disease specialist. I tell people ah. we mm-hmm. are relying on a man who is 79 years old I now. Do I just wrote that. He'd be put out the pasture. And, you know, with physicians, mm-hmm. oftentimes when we get to be 70, they will make us take a competency test. And I remember I was working for another organization, and I kind of slipped and said, well, I don't mind taking a competency examination, but do you provide the competency examination for the younger physicians? Because I see a lot of incompetency there, too. So there you go. Kind of like, you know, putting them on point. Yeah. Of it's it's called ageism, definitely. Yeah. It, is, yeah. it is called yeah. ageism. I will say that my own physician, who is very young, has stopped saying the three words at the beginning of our examination that I would have to repeat at the end. Now that he's reading my books, <laughs> I mean, he doesn't have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. good. <laughs> That is great. And so it's it's great to to be able to live and do things that you want to do even as you age gracefully, but also to be respected. And so I think yes. I think as we have our seniors out there doing the do, they're going back into their careers, you know, they're in charge of movements. I think that society, even the young folks they are starting to learn how to respect folks that are older, and I think that's a good thing. I do think there are positive changes, and I think, pardon me, I think partly it's the demographic change that's making that possible, the fact that there are so many more seniors, and there is maybe even, well, I suppose you could say it could be a slight silver lining or offshoot of terrible time of the pandemic mm-hmm. where people are conscious of how important it is to take care of older people because of their susceptibility to the virus and of being able to keep in touch and the awareness, maybe greater awareness of the danger of social isolation mm. older people. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think, though, I think when it comes to, especially when we, with the pandemic, when we were hearing about a lot of the seniors that are in the nursing homes, 
and people not being able to visit them. And then we, we, we don't we don't realize how many people put their seniors or their elderly folks in the nursing homes. And, you know, a lot of times it's looked upon as they're just putting them there away from the society. And I don't know, is that dangerous or is it our loss? Um, some folks are now keeping their seniors more in the house with them and bringing the caregivers in. I don't know what to think about that. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think I think the decision has to be made on a case-by-case basis. Mm-hmm. I know that my husband and I are fortunate that we're still together and able to stay in our house so far. Mm-hmm. The house with many steps in it. And maybe that's good for us, even though the steps are getting harder mm-hmm. to climb. And we think maybe the next stage is a chairlift, mm. but uh, mm. we're putting it off uh, until it's absolutely necessary if we get there. I think mm-hmm. you you reach a stage where the decision almost speaks for itself, because many people, without a doubt, many people are in nursing homes who shouldn't be, I think. Mm. And who's, agree, uh, yeah. Whose lives and and contributions and are are being wasted by society and and the people themselves are being robbed of time that they can enjoy and be productive and continue to grow and learn. Mm. So, uh, with with Google, uh, more I think for me than the social media to have Google at your fingertip mm-hmm. make so much possible now mm-hmm. that you can explore. You can be all over the world. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. exactly. You can be all over the world. Mm-hmm. All over the world. You can continue. Uh, I don't expect to travel by plane again necessarily. Mm-hmm. I have traveled mm-hmm. a lot in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. seeing other places and mm-hmm. learning about them. And, and mm-hmm. that's available Anyone with a computer now, mm-hmm. or, or right. just an iPad, you know, just an iPad. Mm-hmm. The COVID nineteen has created this silver lining, as you're talking about, because I'm thinking, you know, a lot of the museums now that people probably won't get to, you know, for a certain age or whatever. Right. Everything is all digital now. You know, right. you can go to the Uffizi, you can go exactly. to museums in all over the world and see the great works of art. That exactly. might not have been pushed to do this, but for COVID nineteen. Right. So you're absolutely you're absolutely right about yeah, and that. And this this is a thrilling development, I think, for keeping mm-hmm. our minds active. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> I have a seventy six year old cousin who is retired from work for the government for his whole career, who <laughs> just wrote to me and told me that. He's learning all these things about computers that he never knew. He's taking classes uh-huh. on his mm-hmm. computer, and they're very difficult. And, and this is stretching his mind. Mm. And <laughs> this is great for him. So yeah. People are finding ways to use these uh, devices to really enhance their lives. Well, Thelma, full disclosure, you're a baby. My mom's 103, as Vicki knows, mm-hmm. oh, and God, she's extremely her. active mm-hmm. oh. the night of the election because 
he was born, women couldn't vote, and it was just ratified right. in 1919, and she was born in 1917, and to see, you know, the evolution of oh, where we have come, wonderful. she was fortunate enough to see the first black president, and now see Biden, he was an older, you know, an, a, oh, somebody who's wow. not a baby, and Kamala, so... And she's completely lucid. You know, let's knock on wood. But but I think that's, my, that's been my role model from mm -hmm. the standpoint of well, not sitting now, down. She will now be mine. My mother lived to be, <laughs> I'm sure, 97. And she never missed voting in her life. And uh, she was totally with it till the day she died. And so when we're wow. lucky with genes like that, you and I, mm -hmm. we know mm -hmm. that we can look forward to continuing to think, you know? Yeah, yeah. Isn't absolutely. that beautiful? And where does she live? She lives in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And, uh, yeah, she's, uh, you know, except for some aches and pains in her leg, she takes very few medications. And uh, I, was, I was at home, you know, I haven't been home. Well, I was home a few weeks ago trying to social distance and stuff. But, you know, she takes her yeah. goes out. She takes her own blood sugar. She gets a little sick, and she does oh. love that. And she's, you know, oh, way wow. more than a lot of patients have her age <laughs> will do. Oh, wow. So, um, so yeah, great. I mean, your your topic, your your topic for me is very timely because I'm still working full time, and you know, as Vicky and I talk a, a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm so glad that she had had you on here because this is a. Uh, they're more more seniors. They're more of us because we're we're getting right. older. But you know, because of modern medicine, life expectancy has gone up. So that's a yes. good thing. So bravo well, to you, Bra as they say, bravo. Thank you, <laughs> bravo. Well, there's there's I would say one of the oldest people. The oldest man in the book is 95, and he is a mm -hmm. magnificent human being uh, who lives on a little island off the coast of Maine, an African-American artist, a great man, mm -hmm. uh, Ashley Bryan. But the next oldest, the man I met in, in San Francisco two years ago, he's in his 90s, he's an MD, and Dr. Kleiman still flies his own plane mm -hmm. down to the wow. in Texas to work with the Whoa. kids who are separated from parents. Mm. Oh, wow. Mm. So I think you'd be really fascinated by his life. Mm -hmm. Both of those wow. men. And then the youngest one in the book, mm -hmm. at 60, considered an elder in her tribe. Mm -hmm. An elder because she is wise. Mm -hmm. She hasn't earned money, but mm. she, was, she was at Standing Rock and realized that people who were diabetic, like many of the people she knew in her tribe, mm -hmm. were being were having to eat at the wrong time of day. She started cooking for them on her own. Mm -hmm. This evolved wow. into having a whole kitchen built and her feeding mm -hmm. so many people. She's a magnificent woman. So there are role models all around us that we can relate to, mm -hmm. admire, and get involved with. Yes, and so what do you hope then for the reader as they read your book? What would you want them to take away from reading your book? What's the takeaway for them as they I read think, your book? I think the takeaway is that you keep 
growing. Mm-hmm. You keep growing as long as you're learning. Mm-hmm. And that being alive is a gift, but it's one that we, we can use and we can develop. And we don't stop that. We keep going. And that as you read the book and you enjoy meeting the people in it, and I think you will, everyone will have favorites, I know. Mm-hmm. But as you have your favorites, Find a way to get in touch. It'll be right at the end of the chapter. You can even drop them a note if you're using a computer to do that. You can use that. All right. So, D, you have anything to add? No, this has been fantastic. It's just been great. Yes, this has oh, been Oh, I great. love talking to you, too. <laughs> yes, this has been great. Sorry I don't live in the third house. Yes, it would be fun. Yes, yes. How can people get in touch with you? And we know that they can go to Amazon to get your book, but um, how can they be in touch right. with you? How can they get or in touch? Or they can, they can just write to me at Dr. Thelma, all one word, at AOL.com, D-R-T-H-E-L-M-A at AOL.com. And they can go and take a look at www.elderchicks, all one word, L-D-E-R-C-H-I-C-K-S <laughs> dot I, I love that name, Elder Chicks. All right now. Oh, I have yeah, to I love it something, too. <laughs> something funny about it. I woke up with that name in my head. Okay. Trying to do this. And I was running a... Uh, a uh, committee for the district attorney's office here in Philadelphia for kids who've been arrested that you would see. And I picked up a man on our committee to drive him to the police station every month. And um, after we launched it, I said, I I sent you an email about my new blog. Did you get it? And he said, well, what's it called? I said, it's called Elder Chicks. He said, oh, is that you? I didn't open it. I thought it might be porn. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. That's hilarious. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Hilarious. I love it. I love it. I know. I love it. Well, we we will have to say to everyone, it is not porn, so go ahead and go to elderchicks.com. <laughs> That's hilarious. That it was the hilarious. only funny thing he ever said, and he wasn't being funny. <laughs> you know, one other quick point I do want to make since you mentioned this, Thelma, is that with me, as I said, as an infectious disease doctor and being an HIV AIDS physician as well, you know, the top right. group in this country for uh New cases of HIV-AIDS are the, quote-unquote, what people consider the elderly. Yes. And it's another one of these big, another one of my pet peeves is physicians not talking to anybody over the age of 55 or 60 about sex or sexual activity. It's it's like we all died. We all died at 50. Exactly. Exactly. So what you're seeing is a lot of these cases, new cases of HIV-AIDS in People that are over whatever age people consider acquiring sexually transmitted diseases. There's a whole piece on that in in uh, the new senior man 
I'm glad you brought that up. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we addressed that topic in the new senior man. That is terrible. And because it's been ignored, seniors themselves seem to feel they're immune. Mm. Exactly. And so it's their ignorance that has left them unprotected. Right. Because it's not discussed. Physicians don't discuss that. Exactly. you know, exactly. there are a lot, of missed, a lot of missed opportunities in the healthcare world just based on oh your whole topic of uh, seniors. Absolutely. And I think when people read, if they read the new senior man, they will find a whole chapter that talks about that. So that's great. All right. And so thank you so much. And we will definitely enjoy looking at elderchicks.com and continuing reading your book, How Seniors Are Saving the World, Retirement Activism to the Rescue. And so thank you very much, Thelma, for coming and talking with us today. I've enjoyed it tremendously. And please, please give my best to your mother. I definitely will. So thank you. Now this ends our show, Dee. So do you have any tips that we should think about? Yeah, I think this was a great interview. I thoroughly enjoyed talking to her. Um, she made a lot of points about, you know, people in a certain in a certain decade of their lives are very still very engaged, very active. We certainly represent those individuals that are in certain age, 60 to 70, 70, 80, 80, 90, are still very active members of society and should continue to be. So I thoroughly enjoyed it. A lot of... Uh, food for thought. Yes, a lot of food for thought. And then I just enjoyed how that with this book, I can't wait to finish reading it. I started it to listen and to hear, to listen to her, but also to with the book to get a chance to see the inspiring, you know, stories of seniors who are out there taking care. What did she say? They're fixing it. Yeah, fixing things that need to be um, solved. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Now, folks, make sure you go and buy the book on Amazon. It's called How Seniors Are Saving the World, Retirement Activism to the Rescue. All right. And as always, for more information, go to our website, www.vikidofitness.com. And remember, if you have any questions, comments, or just something to say, tweet us, email us, Go on Facebook and share with us your thoughts. You've been listening to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. Vicki Doe is owner of Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum, a place to discuss, learn, and participate in healthy living. You can get in touch with Vicki by email at info at vickidofitness.com.